You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Maynard. Our current serial is Knives and Night Blooms. Before I get started, I just wanted to give a little shout out for one of my upcoming projects. Um, It's currently April 2023, if you are listening to this around the time that it drops. And next month in May, I'm launching a Kickstarter. It's been a while. Uh, My last publishing Kickstarter was in 2020. It was like March 2020, so it was right at the beginning of all the COVID stuff happening. And all the Australia Post rises that happened that year because of that, as long as, along with a lot of other COVID-related dramas and disasters, made the fulfilling of the Kickstarter really difficult and kind of scared me off for a little while. But I'm being brave and I'm coming back and I'm looking very closely at my budget and at postage issues. Does mean some of my rewards may be a little bit less accessible to those of you outside Australia just because I have to, you know, put in appropriate postage costs and they're kind of criminal right now. Um, But there'll be lots of digital rewards too. Anyway, point is, exciting Kickstarter coming next month. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the preview page where you can sign up to be notified when it all goes live on the 10th of May. So that's exciting. And I will be doing a tie-in podcast episode during May. Uh, I really enjoyed the last uh, Q&A with Tansy episode that I did. So I'm going to do one a Kickstarter special, so anything specific to either past or present Kickstarter questions would be great, but I'm happy to answer other questions too. I have some left over from last time. Um, so, you know, send send your questions my way. You can email, you can put in comments to the, I don't know, however you can communicate with me across the internet, send me questions for I'll probably be recording it, uh, I want to say, the weekend after the 10th, so after the Kickstarter goes live. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, Meantime, I have a podcast to record. So, of Knives and Night Blooms, Chapter 6, In the Baths of Acanthios. Welcome to the Baths of Acanthios, said the attendant who wore robes of white muslin and a headdress of braided silk and feathers. Our baths were named after the noble knight of the bright owl, who sacrificed her life in order that the white lady might bathe in comfort. Yes, said Calix. I can see the scene depicted on your walls in excruciating detail. Marble freezers, to be exact which were surely not the best choice of decor for a building suspended from a combination of silk ropes and magic. But then, who would make the choice to build mid-air baths in the first place? Calix refused to be surprised at anything else this kingdom had to offer her. I require a private bath. I'm afraid our private suites are booked for the next six hours said the attendant, with a smile that looked genuinely regretful. 
I won't bathe in the presence of men, Callick said immediately. As you wish. That's the second request today for an all-female chamber. Most unusual, said the attendant, making a note in her ledger. You'll have to confine yourself to the pool of maidens and the salon next door. There are three ladies in there already. I'll survive. If she could just get clean and have a few moments with her thoughts, surely she could figure out what to do about her escaped assassin. Calix pushed her way past the whispering muslin curtains to the pool of maidens and stopped short on the cool, tiled steps. Tiles? How on earth could they have used tiles up here? Wouldn't that be unbearably heavy? Two familiar faces gazed back at her, neither looking remotely surprised at her presence. Mardi the Needle and Valeria the Blade. Valeria lounged on the edge of the bath, only her feet dipping into the deep pool. She wore a gauzy green robe that had turned transparent against her skin, wet from a recent bathe, and her long hair was pinned up high to keep it dry. Mardi, waist-deep in the waters of the delicious-looking pool, was naked with all of her prominent curves on display. So many breasts staring directly at her. Women of the Divine Kingdom were shameless. I told you two to stay on the barge, Calix protested. First Icarus's flight, and now this. Was her magic losing its power? The two assassins glanced at each other. I don't think you did, said Valeria. You told us to protect your daughter, said Mardi helpfully, one hand resting on her bare belly. We can't do that from the deck of the barge. Well, not currently. Calix blinked with anger and confusion just as her daughter came through the curtains on the other side from a different pool. Nimue's hair was wrapped up in a towel and she'd found a robe that was rather more modest than Valeria's, though that was not saying much. Oh, said Nimue, looking startled and embarrassed. Mother, what do you think you are doing? I wanted to wash my hair. It's been days. Never had Calix been more furious with herself for raising a child in a palace. What did she think was going to happen when the two of them ventured outside that world of privilege and safety? Nimue had no idea what dangers there were for her here in a foreign country. We protected her, Marty said, sounding smug. She was pickpocketed three times between the basket and the spice market, added Valeria. At least they tried. In the end, I took custody of her purse. She indicated a small heap of their belongings a little way from the water. Calix wanted to scream and shout at them all. But that was what Icarus wanted. He wanted her unsettled and irrational so she would make a mistake and then she would be dead and he'd be free of her. Power often lay in not losing your temper, even in the face of unbearable frustration. Vengeance was a dessert, not an impulse eat.
Her thoughts were wild and furious, and she still wanted a bath. They will see your scars, she thought for a moment. And that was even more infuriating. These were her servants. Let them look. Calix whipped off her own robes and sank into the warmth of the water opposite her two assassins. Valeria passed her a strigil and a bottle of scented oil, as if they were friendly colleagues who had merely happened across each other in the baths. Nimaway, clearly still expecting to be told off, sat on the edge of the pool. Her nails had been recently trimmed and reshaped, decorated with a bright purple polish. Where are our menfolk? Marty asked. Dio is standing guard outside, Calix muttered. Oh, I'm sure he'll be excellent at that, said Valeria, in an encouraging sort of tone that was only about a quarter sarcastic. There was an expectant pause. Icaros claimed sanctuary at the Shrine of Black Feathers and disappeared on me, Calix added grumpily. The two assassins exchanged expressions that were more weary than delighted. Well, he would, wouldn't he, said Marty. What a melon head. Don't worry about it, said Valeria. We'll pick him up after we're finished here. You can do that? You know how to... Well, of course they did. If she had learned anything from Icarus's escapade, it was that Calix did not know how anything worked in the Divine Kingdom, least of all the priests of the Black Raven. Why? Why would you take my side? Uh, because you forced our service, said Marty. Obviously. This is what our service looks like. Calix frowned. You can't be happy about that. Oh, we're not. Valeria's livid. I really am, said Valeria. You can't tell because I'm mistress of my own emotions. We're going to help you regardless, said Marty. Why? Calix had never felt so alone, even with her daughter only inches from her elbow. Why aren't you fighting it? Valeria rolled her eyes. You're a powerful magical woman who someone wants to kill quite desperately. That's unusual around here. It's interesting. There's almost certainly going to be something in it for us at some point. Besides, said Marty, I've been meaning to head back to Phoenix Burning sometime this month. I'm retiring from service before the baby's born. You're literally giving me free pack passage to the place I meant to go next. And if taking your side means thwarting Icarus while attempting to curb his self-destructive nature, said Valeria, then that works for me. For now, never assume I only have one reason for anything I do. You're so calm about this all, said Calix. I wouldn't worry about it, said Marty. Once we drag Icarus back to the barge, Valeria will be horrendous company all over again. We bring out the worst in each other, Valeria agreed. But right now we have hot water and delicious bath oils. Why stress?
Why indeed stress? Nim away, Kallik sighed, ducking her head underwater for a moment. Please find the attendant who did your toenails. I want peach. An hour or so later, sweet-smelling and rather calmer than when she arrived, Calix left the baths of Acanthios with her retinue after settling an exorbitant bill. Public baths, it turned out, were not free for public use when one demanded an all-female bathing chamber. Dio waited patiently on the rope platform outside the temple door, demonstrating the skills that probably would make him a half-decent gladius some day. His eyes were constantly on the move, surrounding, surveying his surroundings. Icarus stood at Dio's side. He looked dishevelled and annoyed at the universe, or possibly just at her. As Calix approached, both men straightened to attention. Icarus immediately looked like he wanted to throw himself off the platform for that reaction. Easier than we expected, drawled Valeria. How was sanctuary, dear heart? Brief, replied Icarus. Mardi kissed Icarus's cheek. How long did you fight the curse before you came right back to find us? About thirty minutes, he muttered. Sweet. Mardi offered her arm to Dio, who took it with the chivalry that one expected of a young man with many female relatives. Valeria and Nimue walked together, which Calix was not entirely happy about. Surely these women could be nothing but a bad influence on her daughter. On the other hand, Nimue had probably never been safer from assassination than she was right now. Calix looked at Icarus. He sighed and offered her his arm as they made their way back through the market, heading for the basket that would return them to the silken hair. Did you find out anything about the person who hired the three of you to kill me? She asked conversationally. No. The booking did not come from this particular shrine, and the feather spells that usually link all of the Black Raven's temples across the kingdom have been down for two days. Is that usual? Extremely not. He gave her a wary look. Communication between temples is currently limited to couriers and river post. We don't exchange information on our clients by either method to preserve the sanctity of our work. So, Calix murmured, thinking it over, a client could have paid for my death at multiple temples and the system would allow it as long as communications were down. A rather prosaic explanation, but it seemed plausible. This isn't just an admin malfunction said Icarus, looking frustrated. Normally the Black Raven would step in to ensure his servants did not break their vows in such a profane manner. And he has not. He has not. How often does your god speak to you directly? Icarus gave her a fierce expression. That is an extremely personal question. I expect you to answer it. 
somewhere between often and never. And you personally? He gritted his teeth. You demand to know. I do. I have been honoured as a humble servant of the Black Raven to hear his voice directly on six occasions over many decades of service and on one other occasion before I was his sworn servant as a child. Indeed, said Calix, not sure whether to be impressed or not. She was certainly adding items to the list of reasons for Icaros to want her dead once he was free of her spell. How does it feel to have such a close connection to your god? Sacred, Icarus snarled. She did not press further. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.